Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 1 Corinthians 3, we have been talking along the lines now for the last several weeks, probably going on four or five weeks now, in the vein of the capacity to hear, the capacity to be aware, the capacity to receive spiritual matters. Because we are uh, engaging this year, this is the year of greater awareness. This is the year that we live aware, abundantly aware, confidently aware. How many of you would like to have greater confidence that God is calling you, assigning you, directing you, leading you? I'm talking not walking in, did I get it right? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I heard his voice. You know, sometimes we, we take uh, too many, we rely on external indicators when we need to be relying on the internal spirit. For our spirit bears witness with his spirit. And um, sometimes uh, external agreement can lead you in the wrong direction. You just got to get comfortable when God leads you to do something. You may not get the majority vote, right? It may not be something you can post on Facebook and let everybody know you're doing because you're going to get a lot of negative feedback, a lot of dislikes, Uh, the angry faces. We got so many of these emojis now, the steaming faces and the rolling of the eye faces. No, sometimes when you're believing and you're standing or you are following God, it's, it's not up to a vote. And I love that God never consults the majority, never consults the circumstance. He doesn't even consult your feelings. He doesn't ask you, how do you feel about this? <laughs> I love that about God. He's not taking a vote, guys. He's not, uh, you know, hoping it goes along with the majority or can we get, you know, some good backing behind this. God will call you to do things where you're going to stand all by yourself. And sometimes you got to be like Jesus and you, you're going to have to remove things from the room because you know that they're not going to partner with what God is doing. And you have to become uh, very... Uh, you know, not not confrontational, but just bold in the sense that, uh, you know, what whatever needs to be eliminated, what needs to be disconnected, um, you know, when when you're pressing towards something that you know God has for you, uh, you'll have to do some of those things. And so we're talking about this awareness, and we're talking about living with the greater awareness, and getting back to our key verse that we've kind of been using throughout this teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1 in the New King James, uh, he says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people. So again, uh, just to reiterate, we're highlighting the fact that there is communication, there is word, there is uh, uh, direction, guidance, leading that God is trying to get to us but we've got to be on a certain level to receive that. I know we, 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 we've kind of done away with this teaching and, and with this idea. You know, we don't like to talk 
uh, today in about spiritual growth and spiritual development because we've settled for just being in the kingdom and, and haven't really uh, monitored our capacity to grow in the kingdom. And so you come into the kingdom as a babe in Christ. We've seen this. You come in as a babe in Christ, but we should not stay as a babe in Christ. But when we settle for, well, at least I'm in the kingdom. At least I crossed the line. At least I made it in. At least uh, I'm going to heaven when I die. At least I accepted Jesus as my Lord. That, that's, a, that's not the life that Jesus promised us. That's not what he came and sacrificed and went through all he went through, endured all he endured, so that we could just live at you know the, the simplest level, the path of least resistance Christianity. That's not what Jesus came to present to us. And so he identifies that I could not speak to you. I could not communicate with you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Still in Christ, but babes. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. He identifies that, yes, in a season at a time, you couldn't receive this. You couldn't receive on this level. You couldn't receive the, these spiritual matters. But he's identifying that as you grow in your walk with the Lord and as we uh, begin to navigate this life of Christianity and this life of being a kingdom citizen, a contributor to the kingdom, there, there comes a point where how we started will no longer be sufficient. I, he's saying, I need to get more to you. Whether you want it or not, I need to get more to you. I need you to grow to a capacity that you could receive. Remember, we saw this repeated uh, with Jesus and his disciples. And he, he told them, you cannot bear these things now. But when the spirit of truth comes. But I'm not going to burden you with what is beyond you. I will not burden you with what's beyond you. So as you increase your capacity as you increase your awareness for spiritual things, then I can increase my communication. I can now reveal things to you that in a prior life, a prior season, a prior age, you couldn't receive. For until now, you were not able to receive it, and even now are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? Look at this in the Amplified. In verse 1, however, brethren, I could not talk to you as to spiritual men, but as non-spiritual men of the flesh in whom the carnal nature predominates as to mere infants in the new life in Christ unable to talk yet. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet strong enough to be ready for it. But even yet, you are not strong enough to be ready for it. For you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses. For as long as there are envy and jealousy and wrangling and factions among you, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh behaving yourselves after a human standard and like mere unchanged men. 
I told someone this the other day. We were, I don't remember the exact topic, but I made this statement. I didn't really even realize what I said until I said it, but I said this. I do not want a gospel that doesn't bring change. I do not want a gospel that allows me to stay the same as I was before. I I don't, that's an empty gospel. That's a worthless gospel. If it doesn't have the capacity to change me, then put it in the same category as every other religion on this planet. Every religion on this planet promises you something when you depart it, but only one promises transformation and change while you remain here, a change inwardly that allows me to change outwardly. We're changed from the inside out. But I don't want a version of the gospel that leaves me the same, that leaves me just as inadequate as I was before, as deficient as I was before, as uh, unable to tame the flesh and natural desires and fleshly desires and what he's identifying, carnal desires. I want a gospel that empowers me to live above that. I want a gospel that allows me, empowers me to conquer the flesh not continue to just constantly be dominated by the flesh. And typically when we talk about spiritual maturity, this is kind of the angle we go down and the, and the vein we, we run on is that he's addressing behavior and he's addressing very basic behavior. I mean, he gets into some pretty, you know, deep stuff later in this book. But right here, he's just dealing with what we would call surface sins, envies, lying, cheating, backbiting, divisions among us, right? And these things are, when we tolerate those things, we don't grow. We don't uh, develop our spiritual ability and our spiritual capacity. I know that we we do not like hearing that we're immature. We hate hearing that, right? Nobody wants to be told, you're acting like a child. As an adult, I mean, children don't even want to be told that they're acting like children. I know that we don't want to hear that, but this is the thing, guys, and you know this, what we're unwilling to confront, we will never change. What you're unwilling to challenge, what you don't challenge won't change. If I won't address in my life, you know what, I'm still acting like a child. We wouldn't tolerate that in the natural, but in the spiritual sense, we we need to address the areas. And sometimes we may be mature in one area, but still as a child in another. And it's okay. It's okay. Paul is identifying, he's letting, letting, letting you know, look, there was a time where it was acceptable. Like when, when my two-year-old acts like a two-year-old, I don't get on to him for acting like a two. He's a two-year-old. I don't demand complete sentences and, and, you know, sir, yes, sir. And, you know, yeah, we ain't demanding again. I got my, my speech therapist right here. Uh, we're working with them right now. We just working on two or three words together, right? We just, let's link up a couple things, you know, but why he's a two year old. You don't expect those things. And Paul's letting you know, look, there was a season I was feeding you with milk. And we, I wasn't expecting you to go out and teach and go out and win the loss and go out and do this and go out and respond. But now, you know, over some time, I expected some things. 
and, and remember, this is the Apostle Paul writing, not Pastor Paul writing. They have a pastor. His name is Apollos. Paul came in and planted. Apollos came in and watered. God brings the increase. And now they've developed factions over this thing. They've, they've developed their own little corners. We're the Paul group, and then we're the Apollos group. And then chapter 1 identifies there's a whole other group that says, well, we're of Christ. Hey, is Christ divided? Paul asked this in chapter 1. He says, is Christ divided? Does he have groupies? Does he have, you know, you, you can follow this one and follow that one? You can, no. What's he identifying? That's childish behavior, childish responses. And you know what? There was a time where, not that it was tolerated, but it was understood. But now I'm hearing, four to seven years later, that we're still acting that way. We're still producing immature, childish activity. And he's helping us understand, man, if we won't address that, if we won't confront that, then we can't change that. And we'll continue with the divisiveness and we'll continue with the divisions and we'll continue with the envies and we'll continue with the fornications. He talks about that later. Uh, he, he talks about uh, taking each other to court. And then toward the end of the book, he talks about uh, the fact that there were uh, demonstrations of the spirit. There were gifts in operation, but they were being abused, not used to benefit the church not used to edify the church as they were designed to. The gifts of the Spirit ought to edify the church. Rather, they were causing confusion. They were using the gifts of the Spirit to condemn people and, re and rebuke people. And so all this activity is summed up in, this, in these really three verses right here. I cannot speak to you as to spiritual. I have to communicate to you as non-spiritual, as childish, as babes in Christ. We need to progress. We need to grow. Amen? We need to grow up. Let's just say that together. We can just get it out. Say, we need to grow up. Okay. Got to grow up. I have a, a, a message that I preached years ago on spiritual maturity, and I titled it, It's Not Cute Anymore. Ever had to tell your child that? You know what? That's not cute anymore. That, that, that's not funny anymore. There was a day, but you know better. You know better, okay? And so we need to develop in this. Go, we're going to go backwards. going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Try to move this thing along. And we're going to look at it. I'm going to use the new living initially, but hopefully we can get into the amplified and really break some of these things down. But... Chapter 2 obviously comes before chapter 3. That's obvious. You figured that out already. So we want to look at what is leading into. Remember, these things weren't written in verse in chapter. Paul didn't write, okay, chapter 1, verse 1. He's writing a letter. It all runs together. We use verses and chapters so we can find stuff. <laughs> so I can go literally to the sentence I'm looking for, to the statement I'm looking for, but this all runs together. And so what he says here in chapter two is obviously going to glide and, and flow right into what we just read in chapter three. I could not speak to you as to spiritual, but as to unspiritual. Chapter two, verse one leads off. He says, when I first came to you, remember Paul planted this church. 
established this church. And now we're talking about four to seven years later, he's writing this letter after hearing some things that are taking place. So verse one, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom. He didn't say he couldn't. He said he chose not to. There's a difference. He said, I'm not, I didn't rely, basically what he's saying, I didn't rely on my own natural wisdom. But, you know, there's another time uh, where he gives his resume. I think it's in 2 Corinthians. He gives his resume. He says, you know, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, if anybody could have given you the theological, doctrinal, philosophical approach to this thing, I could have done it. I was qualified. I had the schooling. I had the experience. I've been doing this since I was eight years old. I know, the, I know this book back to front. So he says, I, I did not, I chose not to use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. You know, sometimes, and, and, and I've noticed this in, in church age, in, in, in our church world today, especially in the United States of America, that we have an overabundance of natural response. Now, as a church planner, my wife is, you know, 12 years into this now, and we helped plant uh, uh, Anchor Faith Church in St. Augustine. So you could really say almost 20 years now, we've been uh, in, in the capacity of planting churches, seeing them from the ground up. I moved to St. Augustine, Florida, July 2004. It launched Easter uh, April 11th, I think it was 2004. So just a few years after that, I mean, there's, you know, what, 17 people. We're in a middle school. We're doing set up and tear down. I mean, we're seeing that model. And man, there's resource after resource after resource naturally to tell you how to plan a church. There's even organizations out there that will help you financially, help you with people. There, there's a, a, a church planning organization out there that they will make sure on day one, the pastor has a $40,000 a year salary. You have 120 volunteers, not people in the church, volunteers. You'll have a building. You'll have, uh, you know, money in the bank, whatever. That's what they do. And that's great. That's great. But what I've also noticed is we have a deficiency of how to be led by the Spirit, how to respond to the Spirit. And if we're not careful, this is what he's saying. I could have used lofty words. I could have used wise speech. I could have used big words. I could have used impressive language. But I chose to come to you with the bare basic to preach Christ and him crucified. And if we're not careful, the natural will get in the way of the spiritual. I believe, I personally believe the best way is to start in the spirit and let him lead you to the natural. Because even today, you know, I, I, I just see so many cookie cutters. It's easy to, to, to break this thing down to a formula. It's easy to find the right pattern and the right gimmicks. And that church dumped 50,000 Easter eggs out of a helicopter over a football field and had 2,000 people in church the next day. Let's do that. But we're, we're limiting our capacity to hear from the Spirit of God.
I'm not knocking that. That's a great idea, man. Give away the TVs. Give away the Xboxes. Do it, man. Get them in there. But don't do it at the expense of hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit for yourself. Because the more I rely on the natural, the less I can respond to the spiritual. But if I can hear the Spirit and he says, man, dump the eggs. I'm going to dump the eggs. I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit of God. But if we're not careful, we'll, 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 we'll level this thing down to just gimmicks and tricks and well, it worked for them. And, and, and man, it's so easy today. You, you could spend all day looking through your, your, your feeds and watch how somebody else is doing something and think that that's easily applicable and you can take that. And I mean, we, we love it, man. I mean, you, you can learn so much from the University of YouTube. And Google State University, <laughs> right? There's so much we can gain that we have. At, we we have an overabundance of access to to formulas and plans and learn it for yourself. I mean, we, we're really without excuse. In, in one sense, figure it out, do it. But Paul is saying here, I could have come with all the impressive but I, I just chose to just break it down to Christ and him crucified. I decided while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. You know, that, that, puts, that, that puts a perspective for me as a pastor, as a communicator of the word. He came in fear and trembling. And this challenges me as a pastor. Am I just saying something because I know it? Because Paul's saying, even though I knew it, I chose not to declare it. Because am I up here to build my platform or am I up here to build people? I'm here to build people. I'm in this role to build people. I'm not here to show you how much I know. I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to get likes. I'm not here to get retweets and quotes and, 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 and shares. And, 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 and I'm not here for all that, guys. I'm not. That's the least of my concerns, the least of my word. I'm here. Are you getting it? And can it be applied in your life when you leave here? Because, look, there were people that sat under Jesus' teaching. It's, it's very weird to me. I don't understand Mark chapter 6. I really don't. We're amazed at his words and the miracles and the signs that he performs. But we're offended too. They were so amazed, they were offended. Apparently being astonished at words and reveling and applauding at miracles is not the answer. At the end of the day, they didn't get it. At the end of the day, of all that they saw that was right in front of them, they still became offended because that's uh, just the carpenter though. How does a carpenter do that? I mean, we know him. We grew up with him. We know his parents. We know, we know his brothers and sisters. Ah, there's no way. And they were offended and said he could do no mighty work. He couldn't even do the very thing they were astonished at him doing because they were offended at him for doing it. No, we're looking for application. We're looking for spiritual growth. We're looking for increase in capacity. 
So he says, I, I, I came to you in, in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching was very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied, here it is, only on the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, you're not going to go to very many church planting conferences and session one, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you will probably hear in these church planting conferences, if you rely on that, I guarantee your church won't grow. You'll scare people away. That's not what they want. Don't be over-spiritual. Don't use Christianese. Don't use words that sound religious and Christian and biblical. You got to get on their level. Play secular music before and after service. Come on. If you serve the right coffee and you have comfortable seats and you're in a good location with the bright big sign. Come on, guys. And he says, no, I chose of all the mechanisms I could have used. To make you aware of spiritual things, I chose the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this, here it is, so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Now remember, he did this as babes in Christ, guys. He didn't wait for them to get to a spiritual level. He says, when I first came to you, and then in chapter 3, he said what? When I was with you before, I spoke to you as babes. And yet now I still have to, this is the milk of the word that he's talking about. And he's saying, I didn't come to you with the impressive and the lofty and the, uh, you know, exclamatory. And I came to you in the simplicity of the gospel and relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Because guys, after this message, after our services, if you have more trust in me than you do in him, I have failed. Because then what you need is another fix. But you don't have real solutions for real problems. And you have real problems. We have real problems. There's real life. Real life outside those doors. Your marriage outside those doors. Your children outside those doors. Your life outside those doors. Your purpose outside those doors. And if we just go from Wednesday to Sunday to Wednesday to Sunday to Wednesday to Sunday with the fix, I need a fix, I need a fix, I need a fix. I'm not supplying you. I'm failing you. I need another word. I need another message. I need to take more notes. I need another podcast. I need another YouTube. I need another video. No, 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 no. You need the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. I want to awaken you to the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Every single one of you. Every single one of you. My pastor, Pastor Earl, he called them pocket pastors. You just pull it out, pull them out when you need them. Put them on speed dial. And look, we want you to call us. We want you to, to, we want to counsel. We want to develop. We want to invest. We want to speak life into you. But I'm always going to direct you to what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? And the Holy Spirit may say, do this discipleship course. The Holy Spirit may say, go out and, and pursue that uh, issue. The Holy Spirit may say, but let it be because the Holy Spirit said it, not because I'm just pulling to you the next trendy New York Times bestseller book that you guys can read together and everything's going to be happy-go-lucky. Y'all okay? Not relying on human wisdom. We're relying on the power of God. Your pa- the power of God. 
See, here's one thing we're missing in churches. I'm just going to go ahead and call it out. We are not pushing back darkness. We are not calling out spirits. We're trying to address spirits that are tormenting our communities with natural resources. It's time for the church to get business about, get serious about spiritual matters, spiritual business, and stop trying to fight spiritual battles with natural, natural weapons. Our weapons are not of natural carnal warfare for the pulling down of strongholds. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and might and dominion. We got to teach our people how to push back darkness. You need to push back darkness in your marriage. It's not that you don't like that she leaves the cap off the toothpaste and doesn't dry the clothes fast enough and doesn't do this and doesn't he doesn't do that. It's that the spirit of wickedness is trying to torment your marriage, destroy your family. Recognize it for what it is. Oh, that's too spiritual, Pastor. No, it's all spiritual. It's all spiritual. And human wisdom will do one thing, but the the power of God will destroy demons, demonic activity. Okay, we're waking up. We're getting good. Get loose. Yet when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. What's he saying? I'm simply trying to clue you into what you were designed to know. You were designed to know this. Man, you need to confess that over your life every day. It's in my DNA to hear the voice of God. I was designed. It's in my makeup. I should hear the voice of God, as we've been saying, as easy as I take a breath and exhale it back out. It should be that simple, that clear. He's just saying, I'm just trying to get you clued in on what has been there all along. He said, hidden. Hidden. That doesn't mean non-existent. It just means you didn't know it was there. You didn't know you had the power to to do this. You didn't know you could be that. You didn't know that this was available to you. You didn't know that this is what, but I'm, I'm trying to reveal the mystery that's been in place since the world began, since before the world began. Remember, God's not mysterious. He's not mystical. He's not some mystical creature that can't be known. He is bending over backwards to make himself known to you to reveal himself to you, to reveal his power to you, to reveal his capacity to you, to reveal you to you. Mm. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. I said last week that that's a very sobering verse. What am I crucifying in my life? because I don't know or because I see on the wrong level or because it's remained mysterious or hidden. That maybe the things that I've accepted into my life are the very things I should be eliminating. And maybe the things that I've been rejecting are the very things that God placed in my life. See, 
We get this thing backwards. The devil doesn't distract you with bad. He distracts you with good. <laughs> that's, that's called deception. That's how he works. Wouldn't be deception if it's, you know, obviously bad. He uses good to draw you away from God. Did God really say? Just questioning. Just a question. So innocent. Such an innocent question. We have people today that that want us to live in a question mode of God. It's okay to question God. It's okay to have doubts. You know what doubt is? Doubt is unbelief in diapers. That's what doubt is. It's a baby form of unbelief. Mark chapter 11 can't be any clearer, guys. You say with your mouth, with no doubt in your heart. Doubt fuels unbelief. Now, do we have questions? Sure. But remember, God asked the question in Genesis chapter 3 too. Adam, where are you? What's the difference? The enemy asks questions to hide truth. God asks questions to reveal truth. There's a difference. Be very cautious with this. We, we, are, we are twisting words and we're accepting statements into our lives that sound good, but they're not God. We've got to watch this now. It's okay to question. It's okay to have your doubts. Yeah, but are, are, are you... Are, are you, re- you know, there are people that read this word to just simply build a case against it. That's not reading the word. That's not study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed. No, that's, I want to build a case to prove healing's not for today. I want to build a case to prove. That's not reading the word to edify you and build you up. You're using the very word of God against him to destroy his credibility and his reputation. Okay? No, he says that the rulers of this world would not have understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious life. And I'll remind you that those Pharisees and Sadducees thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were removing an individual that claimed to be Jesus, but he was really a heresy and a, and a, and a, and a heretic. And, and, and he was, uh, you know, just some crazy lunatic running around calling himself a king, saying he's from God, saying he's from heaven. They thought they were doing the right thing. They didn't knowingly, we're going to get rid of the son of God. No, and they what? They missed what was right in front of them. The living aware. And see, this is what we don't understand. If we won't live aware, we'll cripple our capacity to see the most obvious things. We will compromise our ability to see what's right in front of us. This is what the scripture says, verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep 
secrets. I've noticed even in the church that we have built a disdain for growing spiritually. I've, I've heard pastors, oh, you just want to be spiritual. Yes, I want to be spiritual. Yes. What's the alternative? Carnal? <laughs> but I've heard pastors literally, you know, talk down to people that want to grow in the word. Now, sure, are there Pharisees? Absolutely. What did John Wesley say? I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire. We throw the baby out with the bathwater because there's a few people that, that say they're spiritual, but they're really not. So, you know, I'm just going to stay on base level. I'm just going to stay just a baby. I just want to remain an infant. At least I won't be a Pharisee. At least I won't be, uh, uh, you know, a hypocrite. No. But say, you know what? I want to grow in God and remain humble. I become less, he becomes more. But that doesn't mean stay an infant. That doesn't mean drink milk for the rest of my life. That doesn't mean refuse every opportunity to grow and develop my spiritual capacity. Amen. Uh, for verse 11, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except by God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that, came, that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit. What he's saying is, it, it sounds simple, but this is the thing. The simple things of God far surpass man's greatest wisdom. If you want to be impressed by knowledge and wisdom and degrees and how many years I went to school and, and how much I know and how much I've learned and how many people I've sat under and who mentored me. And if you want to be impressed by all that, it doesn't even come close to even just the basic, simplistic form of the gospel. I didn't come to you in, in human wisdom. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things. We have the mind of Christ. Let's look at this real quick in the Amplified. You guys just read a whole chapter in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. You're going to do it two times. In verse 1, As for myself, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony and evidence or mystery and secret of God concerning what he has done through Christ for the salvation of men in lofty words of eloquence or human philosophy and wisdom. For I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious, conscious of nothing. 
among you except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and him crucified. And I was in, passed into a state of weakness and fear, dread, and great trembling after I had come among you. In my language, in my message, we're not set forth in persuasive, enticing, and plausible words of wisdom. Guys, this is, I, 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 we put this out this past week. Obedience never relies on your ability to understand. Obedience is when you say yes when you don't understand. Obedience is responding to the word of God favorably, even when it doesn't make sense. We elevate comprehension on too great of a level. We elevate an understanding, an understanding that doesn't require faith. Many Christians are living a life that makes no demand on faith, whether it be believing for a miracle, whether it's just simply accepting a truth in the word of God. And too many times when, we, when it doesn't demand faith, then we reduce the word down to a level that we can't understand rather than rising up to the level that God wants us to understand. Amen. That's limiting and hindering our spiritual capacity. But my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive, enticing, and plausible words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, a proof by the Spirit and power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them. (laughs) Paul is saying, I could have given you the greatest sales pitch ever. You want enticing words? You want persuasive words? Man, I, I, I could sell it to you but I chose to let the Holy Spirit do that work in you. Paul was a man that when he both ministered and wrote these letters, he relied on the Holy Spirit to do the rest of the work. He said, I just let the chips fall where they may. And in in the book of Acts, chapter 20, near his departure, near his end of ministry, he said this, for I never held back anything. I did not shrink back from giving you the full counsel of God's word, whether you liked it or not. He tells Timothy, when Timothy's about to start ministry, preach the word in season and out of season, meaning regardless of whether they're receiving it or responding to it or not. Preach it. Preach it. Let the chips fall where they may. When he says fear and trembling, he's not saying, I was afraid to, do I I really want to? No, he's just letting him know the weight the weight. I'm about to deliver a word and I got to make sure it's an on-time word. I got to make sure that I deliver it in a way that they're going to be able to receive. But at the end of the day, they're going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit to hear it as much as I have to rely on the Holy Spirit to deliver it. Did you know that? I have to rely on the Holy Spirit to deliver this word but you have to rely on the Holy Spirit to receive this word. You need to partner with him. I need to partner with him. There's three people involved, me, 
the speaker, you, the hearer, and the Holy Spirit that is helping me communicate it, and he's helping you hear it and receive it. Have you noticed that people hear what they want to hear? And so that means what I'm saying, you're not always hearing. Because there's filters it goes through. There's experiences it goes through. There's situations it goes through. There's lack of understanding it goes through. I've, I've got to feel, how do we combat that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I mean, if I had to rely on however many people were in here, 100, 120, if I had to rely on being able to communicate to each one of you on the level you could, forget that. Let's do this three at a time. Three, okay, minister, next three. Let's just try to knock it out that way. That's impossible. How do we break through those filters? How do we communicate the same word on all levels? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Let's read verse four uh, one more time. My language and my message were not set forth in persuasive, enticing, implausible words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. A proof by the Spirit and power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them. So that your faith, verse 5, might not rest in the wisdom of men, human philosophy, but in the power of God. Let me tell you who else doesn't accept wisdom of men. The devil. You're not going to explain your way against the devil. He knows more than you. He knows more than you. Yes, he does. He knows your potential. He knows the word is true. He knows what it can do. He's not ignorant. He's stupid, but he's not ignorant. He knows. Your human wisdom will not work on him. Your lofty explanations will not work on him. Your educational degrees will not work on him. Your Bible reading plan with all the boxes checked will not work on him. No, it's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot go with, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. You're going to have to know him for yourself. In the name of Jesus, I command you to go. Out of my home. Out of my marriage. Out of my family. Out of my body. Out of my finances. Come on. You're not going to be able to explain your way against Okay, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men. Verse 6, yet when we are among the full-grown, spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden, which means the more that I grow, the more that's revealed. The more that I grow, the more capacity I have to discover more. And you never outgrow the capacity to discover more. A higher 
wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden, but it is indeed not a wisdom of this present age or of this world, nor of the leaders and rulers of this age who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. The Bible tells us that the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. The deeper you go in the things of God, the more you're going to confuse the natural. The more it's, well, that just, that, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> to the human mind. But rather we are setting forth, what we are setting forth is a wisdom of God once hidden from the human understanding and now revealed to us by God. That wisdom which God devised and decreed before the ages for our for our glorification, to lift us into the glory of his presence. None of the rulers of this age or world perceived and recognized and understood this. For if they had, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But on the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man. All that God has prepared, made, and keeps ready for those who love him, uh, uh, who hold, hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him and gratefully recognizing the benefits that he bestowed. There's a lot right there. That's the abiding we're talking about. That's the abiding we've been talking about on the weekends. Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his spirit for the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. For what person perceives, knows, and understands what passes through a man's thoughts except the man's own spirit within him? Just so no one discerns, comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What did Jesus say? You cannot bear this now. But when he, the spirit of truth, that knows the heart of the Father, that knows the mind of God. You have the Holy Spirit. And he says he will abide with you and dwell with you. He says it's actually to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't go, he can't come. But when he comes, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. Not some truth, not half the truth, not most the truth. All the truth. Truth is right here within you. There's never a truth that should remain untapped and unknown within the life of the believer. We should be discovering truth daily, revealed, opened up to us. Verse 13. We are setting these truths forth in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? So we can know the things of the Spirit. But the natural, non-spiritual man, watch this, does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God. It's not that you don't have the, it's not even just that you don't have the capacity to know, you reject it. Even when we try to tell you, why, why? Jesus told his disciples how many times? I'll be handed over. I'll be beaten. I'll be tortured. 
They will crucify me. I'll be dead three days. I'll rise again. How could it be any more clearer? How could they miss this? Why are they crying at the cross? Why are they denying him in the garden? We could all read it now, looking back, say, I would have never done it. I mean, he told you how many times? How many times did he have this conversation with you? Unveil the whole plan? He told you the end of the book. Right? That'd be like, you know, it, 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 for the game last week. And say you're a Chiefs fan. Anybody watched the football game this past weekend? You're a Chiefs fan. And you're watching the playback. You didn't watch it live. But I spill the beans and say, hey, man, he's hobbling all over the place. It's a really close game. But in the last minute, he's going to go out of bounds, and then a guy's going to shove him out of bounds, and they're going to get extra yards. They're going to kick a field goal. And then while you're watching it on playback, you're, oh, my God, I can't believe it's so close. What's going to happen? I told you what's going to happen. I told you this was going to happen. I told you it was going to be that close. I let you know ahead of time, and you're still Anxious and worried and concerned and crying and fearful and locking the doors. Oh, I would have never done that. We still do it today. He's called us victorious. He's called us overcomers. He's called us righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's told you that even though there's trials and tribulations, be of good cheer, I've overcome. He's let you know the end of the book and we still live day to day, anxious and worried and concerned. And Oh me, oh my, and how am I going to make it? And I thought this and I thought that. And, and why is this happening to me? You need the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. <laughs> Just as you could not bear it now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he says, but the Holy Spirit, he'll show you. You can't be discerned. The non-spiritual can't accept, welcome, or admit, but the spiritual. For they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him. You ever tried to explain spiritual things to a non-spiritual person? It's meaningless nonsense. That's what it is. They look at you like you're crazy, like you've completely lost it. I've been there. I've been there. Meaningless nonsense to him, and he's incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. There's times where you just have to stop and just let the Holy Spirit do his work. I could explain it. Religion wants an explanation. The kingdom brings demonstration. Religion wants an explanation. When you can make it make sense, when you can explain it, when I can comprehend it, but the kingdom says, I'll just show you. Watch the power. The spiritual man tries all things. He examines, investigates, inquires into questions and discerns all things, yet is himself to be put on trial and and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern or appraise or get an insight into him. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord? I love when you start to know the heart of the Father, you don't learn what, you learn why. 
You don't just learn what he wants, you learn why he wants it. And then I learn, I want what God wants for the same reason he wants it. And now my desires align. My why lines up with his why. You're going to run yourself ragged trying to produce what God's called you to produce until you want it for the same reason he wants it. When your why aligns with his, watch the kingdom explode in your life. Watch Revelation Revelation just unveil, flood you. God, turn it off. I can't handle anymore. Paul did that. He said, I went to the third heaven. Whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't even know. I've seen things, heard things. Things have been revealed to me. Paul couldn't even write those books. Couldn't even let us in on all that. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one in his anointing, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. We can know not just the what, we can know the why. We have the mind of Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name, it's anointing. The anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage. The anointing that destroys the works of the devil. The anointing that pushes back darkness. The anointing that gives you purpose. The anointing that gives you spiritual assistance for a spiritual assignment. The anointing is in the mind of Christ. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.